Welcome to the Social Work Your Life podcast with me, Kim Beam. I am an educator, a creative writer, a social worker, a cancer survivor, and so much more. My life experiences, my gut and intuition, they have guided me throughout my journey so far. We are going to navigate this roller coaster of our lives together, finding practical ways to cope. Join me as we learn to trust our intuition and find our joy. Let's jump into today's episode. Hi, I'm Kim from Social Work Your Life. This is my old supervisor, Erin. When I was learning to be a social worker, I came here in my first year Uh to be your intern. Yeah. And so it's now been, no, that was in 2012 and it's now 2020. Yeah, so that was like 11 years ago. It's insane. That is insane. So 11. Wow. Yeah. There was a moment I was in your office. I don't remember this. You're uh-huh. like, okay, you're going to go out and do therapy with them. And uh-huh. I was like, I don't think I'm ready. Am I ready? And you're like, well, I said, you're just going to make me do this in a week anyway, aren't you? And you said, yes. And I said, well, okay, I guess I'm going to go do therapy then. <laughs> I don't remember, but it sounds like something I would say. <laughs> like, I'm just going to have to do this in a week, right? Just, you're like, yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, then I guess I just better go and do it now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh-huh. I feel like we had many moments together in the office. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. So Erin is the direct services supervisor. Did I say it right? She's the direct yeah. services supervisor mm-hmm. of victim services in Montgomery County. Yeah. And so this space that we're in is geared specifically towards victims of crime. Correct. In only Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. Correct. What was that pause? So we are, there's some reasons why there may be other people coming here from different counties. We make some exceptions and we can talk about that if that's helpful. Okay. But, but mostly it's Montgomery County. Typically it's only Montgomery County. And something happened while I was an intern here where somebody who was actually not a victim, but like a offender, offender, there's the word I want, Uh was an offender who wound up in this space. Uh-huh. And that was like a oh, moment for everybody. Why? Why would that be? Yeah. So that to me, I think of like conflict of interest because we're a safe space for victims of crime. We have to be mindful of the environment and the space. So we would not be seeing offenders here. We would make referrals and, and get them the services that they need. But yes, it would not be a good good idea to have them in the same space. Okay. And what kind of crime victims are we talking about? So we started as a rape crisis center. So we used to, when we started in 1974, it was just survivors of sexual assault. In the 80s, there was kind of like a movement to be more comprehensive. And so for us, I always say that means serving any other type of crime with the exception of domestic violence. So we are seeing... Predominantly, I tell people, sexual assault survivors and sexual abuse survivors, anything from an ID theft to a burglary to a robbery to a homicide to a hate crime to a child abuse. We see any any type of crime except for DV, domestic violence. They have, you know, we have sister agencies, that's their focus, so we send them there. And why not domestic violence here? Um, because there's just two other agencies that that's their sole focus. And so that's their expertise. Let them, you know, it, it, it takes a different 
set of skills to do domestic violence than what we do here. And so instead of like us taking every single thing, you know, let's divert them to the experts that are already there. Right. Yeah. And in my head, my perception is that there are more DV patients, domestic violence patients, uh, clients, clients, Mm -hmm. concerned individuals, Uh than there are crime, like victim, crime victims. Mm -hmm. Like the, the level of, the level of intake they have is bigger. Tell me why you say that. <laughs> is it just your... It's my perception. Okay. And maybe because there's a whole unit just for domestic violence, mm-hmm. whereas you guys get everything else. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Then, then that perception is, well, if there's a whole unit just for that, then that must need more services mm-hmm. than what victim services does. So that's a great insight. I don't know numbers to support it. Okay. But I will say, right, domestic violence has their own set of needs, I would say. So they're thinking safety planning, protection from abuse, shelter, often custody. Like, it has a lot of layers. Yeah. I don't know necessarily if numbers are higher. Could be true. But I would say, tell me your question. (laughs) I mean, the need is is specific, and so (laughs) I just think it makes sense. Now, some counties across the U.S. have a blended program with all. Okay. It's just not how we operate here. And so there is a victim services, and not necessarily named that, but there is one in every county across the United States. So in Pennsylvania, I can say yes with certainty. Right. Okay, there's yes. a few counties like Western that might be small. So there's like two counties that have one agency. Right. Um, but across the U.S., the crime victim rights movement like really pushed to make sure there's services available across the U.S. I don't know. I can't say for every state in every county, but I would say there's a strong uh, suspicion that there's connection and services there. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. I feel like, especially since in the past 10 years since I was working here, I feel like there's been a huge movement within the mental health slash stigma world, systemic stigma world, right? Yeah. To push away and push against the label of victim. Mm-hmm. Why would somebody, well, I guess it also leads into like, what do you do here? But why would somebody want to ex- embrace the label of victim? and say, I need victim services. So I think, yeah, there's lots of conversation about the meaning of words, right? And I think we won't get it right either way. Whether people love the word victim, people hate the word victim, some love survivor, some hate survivor. It's like, to me, could it be semantics? Yes, but could it also just be what works for you is not going to work for the next person. So do I, I think it, it is all about identity. What does, a, what does a survivor of crime, a victim of crime, how do they see their identity? And that may mean whatever. And I prefer to use whatever language they feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Is our name victim services? Has it been that? Yeah, is there maybe a shift or a change that's going to happen down the end of the road? Maybe. It's just 
I don't hear enough that it's like, boo, we hate that word. <laughs> I mean, maybe people do, but pe our numbers have not gone down. In fact, they've gone up. So is it the name? I don't know. But I think it goes with everything else. It's just individual. What works for you doesn't work for the next. You know? Yeah. Some people need an identity. Some people, especially in this world, I think... There's so much minimizing that happens, denying what happens. And so when you mm -hmm. say you're a victim, sometimes that's an aha moment. Right. It's like, oh, really? And then you can kind of do work from there. That's so you're sometimes... saying you're saying as a therapist, when you yeah. help somebody see that there's actually been a crime done against them and you say you are a victim of this kind of crime, they then feel like, oh, and and like see the circumstances slightly different so i might not say you're a victim of a crime but okay. what i would say is uh what you're describing to me according to the law is a crime right and sometimes making that simple connection you can minimize that something didn't happen or doesn't qualify as a crime for right. years, right? To yes. kind of protect yourself, to survive, whatever it may be. Or somebody else may have told you it's not a crime. Exactly. Right, I didn't rape you. Yep, exactly. That wasn't abuse. Right. Right, whatever it may be. So I think... I just yelled at you. That's not abuse. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so I think there is power in language and power in words. And it's individual. Right. You know? But am I going to say you're a victim of a crime? I might not say it that way, but I think there is power to saying what it is, giving people language, words, yeah, especially for sexual abuse and sexual violence, completely. And so if I needed your services, uh -huh. and I don't even know what they are, like let's say something happened and a police officer comes up to me and says, here, call these people, Yeah, they're like here for you, give them a call. Yeah. And because I don't know what else to do, I listen to the cop, and I give you guys a call. And yeah. your intake person mm -hmm. would get back to me. In yes. theory. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> what? Well, if I'm clueless, how do you help me? Like, what, what, what are you going to tell me? What are you going to say? Like, how are you going to, like, get me on your track? So people come to us a variety of ways. So we can kind of walk through those scenarios. So people come to us by way of like if they're getting medical treatment after an assault, right? So police could be involved, they don't have to be involved, but we could get a call from a hospital and the services we would provide would be a little bit different if a cop were to give you our information and say call, because that's, a, that's we're assuming you made a police report, right? right? A lot of our clients have never made a police report, right? It's not a criteria to come here. Um, so there's different services that a crime victim who made a police report might get or might be of interest as opposed to someone who's never reported and just is in need of therapy or, or, or support in that way. Um, so we do a variety of services. I'll tell you, um, we have educators. They're primary prevention, right? So they're out in the world doing great work to try to make us a society free from violence. They're amazing. They're out there. What I see is we're the direct service people. So we see people after the fact. Um, and so we help with advocacy or therapy. Now advocacy is for those people who contemplated reporting or who have reported. Just because you've reported to police does not mean that 
charges will be, you know, um, pressed. It does not mean that a criminal outcome will look like a, you know, a, a guilty and a sentence of 20 years. Like, often that's not what happens, but our advocates can kind of walk people through reasonable expectations. They can be with people throughout the process of, like, reporting, um, because it's scary. Who wants to sit with another stranger and say intimate details of some, you know, horrific, traumatic event? People don't want to do it, but if you have someone who's just there for you, they don't have any other hidden agenda, our hope is that makes it a little bit more manageable, right? Um, so we help people if they have reported, if they want to report, what, what are my options, um, because there's also like time frames in which you can report. So that's a whole other piece. Um, and then advocates can help people if there's court proceedings, you know, if, if probably from what you remember, mm-hmm. from preliminary hearings to parole hearings, right? We can, we can be with people through that. And that's so important, I think, because the outside world doesn't, I don't think understands the gravity to which I may be a year in and at a good emotional space and then I have to go to this hearing and I have to see this person that did this egregious thing to me and what that does to a human, right? I mean, people say it's reopening a wound and that's like a nice way to put it. It's often like debilitating, right? So I think it's crucial to have an advocate there who's been with you the whole time, who can hold your hand, who can explain what's happening, who can step out with you. Um, it sounds simple, but I think with simplicity, it's like that often is like the most powerful thing that will stick with people forever. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have the medical piece, right? If people re- go to the hospital to get medical treatment after an assault, um, we can provide just crisis support, right? What does that look like? What is this medical, uh, you know, what are your options? Um, and then walking you through if you want to do an evidence collection kit, right? It's it's uncomfortable. It's painful often, right? Um, it doesn't have to be, but it can be. So they can provide crisis support through that. They can provide... Um, and they're present in the room when that kit is collected. If it's the wish of the client. If they, you know, we, we've sat in the rooms, but we've also said if it, if it feels safer, I can wait right outside and just, you know, that I'm, I'm waiting there. Um, So the medical piece is another thing. And then also the therapy, right? We do free treatment for anyone five to however old. And again, you don't have to have reported it. If you just self-identify and say, I was, you know, a survivor of a homicide 10 years ago. Sure. You can come in for treatment. When I was here, it was six free sessions. Is it still six free sessions? You're probably thinking up to six months. Are you? Was it? No. I think it was six. No. No? I don't think. But maybe six months. It's short term. It's short term. Short term. We have a little bit. I would say there's more um, room. There's more room now. Yeah. And it depends on which agency, so this is not like across the board, but because we're, we offer services for free, we can't be long-term because right. we don't have capacity. You know what I'm saying? Especially if your numbers are increasing. Exactly. And you only have some people on staff. Exactly. 
So I can't have the same people for 20 years. I mean, because what is going to happen to these new people? Right. Um, But there's also some flexibility with longer term. So could we see, you know, there's therapy options as opposed to counseling options. It just depends on your center. But yes, there's much more room in that. Okay. Yeah. And then if I'm remembering correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, family members are also invited to join in. So if a family member, if a, let's say a, a, a house of a daughter is burgled and the mom is struggling with her own sense of safety, yep. she would be welcome to come as well. Yes. We call it any significant other that, and we look at that as like, if you are a significant person support to the direct victim, you can come here. So we see grandparents, parents, siblings, paramours, spouses, siblings, doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And there have been times you have a whole family. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That, like, one therapist is seeing the mom, the other therapist is seeing the dad, and then the three kids are spaced out between other therapists, yep. and you try really hard to, like, honor yep. the, the social work code of ethics. Exactly. Yeah. It's important. It is. And I think that's actually better. I mean, very rarely do you have every party that wants support and treatment. So when you do, it's like, of course, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that's met. What happens if there's like a family member, like I'm thinking of a very specific case Mm -hmm. of a uh, family member who figured out her sister was being hurt by somebody of an authority Uh figure. So... Uh You counseled the actual victim. Mm-hmm. I had her sister. Mm-hmm. And then there were other family members here as well. Do you mm-hmm. know which one I'm talking about? You may not. And you said to me the hardest thing at that point for you was how do you counsel somebody who refuses to see that they're a victim? Mm. Say it again. They didn't see themselves as, as a victim. What so a, uh-huh. the situation was there was a, there was a, a younger girl who had been groomed by an older man uh-huh. and um, she did not see herself as a victim uh, of that she saw herself in a relationship. Got it. Yeah. We see that often. And then if the younger girl who was groomed by the older man uh-huh. who doesn't see herself as a victim uh-huh. because you know she's 16 and they're in a relationship sure. even if he's 35. Yep. Right? The, the girl that was being groomed was coming here for therapy services, mm-hmm. but she didn't see herself as a victim. Mm-hmm. How do we get her here? Like, how do we, how do we, how do we get her in? How do we get her support? Yeah. Right. If she says, I don't want to be here, what do we do? So there's a difference between if someone doesn't want to be here versus I don't see myself as a victim, right? We're empowerment based. So if you don't want to be here, I'm going to honor that and we'll be here if you ever change your mind. That's no problem. Okay. If I don't see myself as a victim and we, it's very common, right? Like if we're talking about power dynamics in a relationship, probably it comes up a lot with statutory sexual assault. A lot of times people, young adults, young, uh, older teens may see themselves as in a relationship. They don't see it as I'm a victim, right? Mm -hmm. I'm in love with this person. So, right, it becomes super challenging, but you can meet the client where they are. It's not my job to convince you you're a victim. 
It's not my job. My job is how do I support you? How do I give you a safe space to validate your feeling and to give some education, right? It's what you do with the education is up to you. I'm not going to convince you and berate you if you don't think you're a victim. It's not my job. How do I provide a loving, supportive place to say, um, you know, let's honor your feelings. Let's talk about it. Because oftentimes you think, who can they, who can they safely talk about it with? I mean, people are probably like, doing this to them so of course they're going to shut down and then what does that lead to so my job's safe safe space and then also provide that that piece of education of like well you know it may not feel like you're a victim of a crime the law says this so what do you make of that how what what does that mean to you Hmm. right like that and maybe they come to it on their own and maybe they don't and that's okay right anything else you want to add about what you do here, what this space is for. Um, I think we covered services. I think the one big thing I always like to let people know is we offer free services. It's not insurance-based. It's not based on you know your status of citizenship or what el- whatever else. The reason I say that's important is because I mean, you know, insurance copays are very expensive. Often, if you're going through somewhere with insurance, you have to have some diagnoses. Like, we don't, that's not a barrier at victim service agencies. It's, you don't need a diagnosis. You don't even need insurance. You don't even need to be a documented person. Like, just come to receive the support. um, Because we never want those to be barriers for wellness and treatment. You know, so I think that's really important because if we can eliminate any of those, let's eliminate them and and get people the services they need. So that's all. Thank you for listening. I know you have a ton of options out there and I am grateful for you being here with me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or post it on social media. If you have a topic or question you would like me to go over, Connect with me on socialworkyourlife.com. Don't forget to subscribe, and I'll talk to you soon.